0: And welcome to episode five of Live from Vader's Castle. I'm joined by John Lee here. Hello there. And then I'm, of course, uh, Dan Macquarie. We, we really need to get better intros, don't we, John? But <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll come, it'll come. It'll come, all a good time. How are you doing, John? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I've got a, a recording in the evening, Friday evening, because obviously we had Bad Batch today, so I've got a nice little... Bacardi <laughs> to drink a yeah, little, little Bacardi and Coke with me tonight. So, uh, you know, got, uh, to, got to celebrate Bad Batch being out and it being good. Yeah, true. I mean, I just have a casual gamma ray to celebrate, you know, the finest stuff in life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's been a pretty exciting week to be a Star Wars fan, I guess. We have May 4th, obviously. May the fourth be with you to anyone who um was celebrating the the great day in the calendar. The Lord's Day. The Lord's Day, exactly. And we got a brand new series kicked off on Monday, The Bad Batch, which of course we're going to be talking about in length today. And yeah, I loved it. I was I was very excited. I came out of it feeling pretty gassed that Star Wars is back on our screens every week. And it's a good time to to be a fan.
1: Yeah, it's very good. I mean, I think to start off with a uh, 70 minute or 75 minute intro episode was very, uh, very good for the fans. It
0: was, yeah, it was to nice.
1: the, um, that there wasn't, it didn't feel like it was cut short at all. Like the story that they said and they let out in the first episode, I think really, really fit with that 70 minutes. I wasn't sitting there thinking at the end of it, oh, uh, I needed more from the episode. Obviously, I need more from the series, but the episode was well timed, good pacing.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll just, we'll just get into it now, but yeah, that we basically just got a, a new Star Wars movie basically on, on Tuesday, didn't we? I mean, it was 75 odd minutes. It was quite a, you know, in terms of story, animation, cinematics, everything. It was just a big event of an episode and I thought it was incredible. I really, really enjoyed it. I give, give that quite a high rate in that first episode. It was very exciting.
1: Yeah, it was very good. I mean had a terrific start, I think, with the uh I really liked the opening um like title page with the like Clone Wars and it like
0: I don't know, like
1: flamed away into like the Bad Batch. I oh, thought that was Yeah. I think was they really were sick.
0: very clearly making a point that, you know, the Clone Wars is over and it's the Bad Batch now. Um which I thought was nice because in the second episode we didn't get that. It just started with the Bad Batch. So I thought that was very intentional because we were seeing Order 66. We were seeing the end of the Clone Wars in that first episode. But now by episode two, we've moved past that. Now the Clone Wars are officially over. And now we're sort of dealing with the aftermath of it, which absolutely was the title of the first episode, Aftermath.
1: Yeah, set Set up the series beautifully about what it's going to be, what it's going to be about, where in the Star Wars timeline that we are and stuff like that, perfectly introduced uh, for them that first episode. Yeah,
0: and I think we'll just sort of go beat by beat from the beginning, but I mean, to open up with Tom Kane's narration, his classic Clone Wars narration, um, and seeing shots from Revenge of the Sith in this ridiculously good animation style, which has progressed even more since the final season of Clone Wars, I thought that was incredible. You know, seeing Anakin and Obi-Wan you know on grievous's ship and all these sort of like little shots that we know really well from revenge of the sith just very briefly in front of us in um animation with that classic narration was a real nostalgic hit and also like the last time we were going to hear that as clone wars fans it was quite a, a exciting but sad moment yeah i mean
1: hearing his voice at the start of every episode or arc on Clone Wars was <clears throat> iconic so uh, I think we definitely needed that one last time before we delve into this new show um, yeah exactly yeah and yeah as you say, the animation at the start was unreal I mean I've seen a couple of videos in the past few days where people have taken the live action and like um, put it in with the animation so like it will cut cut into the animation at those points and it's literally frame for frame Um yeah They've done such a good job with changing that um and yeah that Obi-Wan and Anakin look unreal and yeah. literally it's been like a year since season seven but they look even better than the, yeah, the like two seconds we see them
0: the quality of animation is ridiculous I was when I was watching episode two this morning I just sort of like paused it at a moment I just admired it I was like but this animation is another level I mean the style is very unique but I'm obsessed with the style now. I've seen it so much, and I just think they've done such an incredible job. And they keep on pushing the boundaries of what they can what they can do with this animation. And it's just yeah, it's stunning.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited about where they, um, especially over the season, about what other characters they're going to put into it with this. Maybe characters that we need to see for like the first time in this sort of animation style. Um, I mean, we've already got one already, which was a. Uh, well, oh, Caleb Dune, we saw a young version of uh, Kanan in his animation style. So I'm interested to see if there's going to be uh, more characters that were introduced and seeing them in that animation style. So I think it'd be really interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, whilst we're on that topic, let's just talk about Order 66. I mean, how many times are Star Wars going to have to make us watch another Jedi getting murdered in Order 66? It's <laughs> It's painful um, to watch <laughs> playing with the heartstrings. Oh, it is. But I mean, I, I mean, we were talking about it last week when we were sort of making our predictions about you know whether the bad batch were going to go through with order sixty six. Where are we going to see it? I mean, we were right to a certain extent. We did see order sixty six. We didn't think they were going to go through with it. So, you know, that was something that we were sort of expecting. But I did not expect it to be Caleb Doom and Depa Balaba. I did not expect to see that. Um as soon as I saw Depa-Balaba, I was, wait, I was like, wait a minute, that's that's Kanan's master. I was like, there's no way we're seeing young Kanan. And then obviously he comes sliding down the hill. And I was like, oh my God, I freaked out at that moment.
1: Yeah, it was very cool. Very cool to see him. And yeah, as you said, as soon as you see uh, his master, you're know, like, oh, surely he's got to be coming out of the uh, out of the forest soon or he's coming out somewhere. Um,
0: yeah, they sort of teased with that little... um. You know, my Padawan's on his way. And then I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, oh, no way. Um, and what I liked about it as well is he's still voiced by the um, <laughs> same
1: Freddie. actor, by yeah. Freddie, yeah. <laughs> a grown man, voicing
0: the, um, I don't know, wait, how old is he? Like 12, 12 Yeah, he's meant yeah. to be 12. <laughs> well, I did was... a lot of criticisms about how he sounded a little bit too old, or how, like, Jedi puberty hits, like, really early. <laughs> Yeah maybe he just hit people early. his voice box is broken already he's he's done <laughs> I mean it um, didn't bother me I liked it as soon as I heard it I was like wait a minute that is that's is Kanan's voice so I I like that um but yeah I did see some of the some of the memes about it, it was quite funny
1: Yeah I mean I think it, it was it showed it really showed like that was in pace people weren't entirely sure who that was Yeah uh, I really think having the same voice actor help nail that even if it doesn't quite fit the age requirement, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's a little thing, really.
0: And I think you know that is a character that um, he sort of developed himself as an actor, but you know, him and Dave Filoni, but you know, they has a character that he's taken from season one through to season four, and I think it's good that he got that chance to um to voice him in this, even if it did sound a little bit, little bit out there. But it didn't take me out of the moment too much. I was too excited about seeing. Caleb Doom in a uh, in like animation again. It's exciting.
1: Yeah, it was very cool.
0: Another small critique
1: I did see for him actually. I'm not sure how you feel about this because I'm kind of on the fence about it. Is um, so people are complaining about how white he looks. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I suppose, but then I suppose he's that on that planet. It looks very snowy. Yeah, I was like, I'm a I'm a tanned man most of the time, but if I've been you know, it's sitting indoors most of the year, like I have now, like I'm almost as white as anyone.
0: Yeah, and also like the the snow on the floor does cause the reflect. Like when light reflects off of snow onto someone's face, it does whiten out your face quite a bit. Um, I don't know whether sort of it was established what Kanan's skin tone is supposed to be. I'm I'm not really sure, um, but I, I, it wasn't something I noticed. Um, I thought. Caleb looked brilliant in terms of the animation um Mm. but I guess it was a very um snowy and you know white planet I don't know how long they'd been fighting there but I guess the sort of suggestion was that they'd been battling there for quite a while um so yeah it was interesting I guess there's whilst we're on that sort of topic the big conversation which is sort of on everyone's um mind at the moment is the sort of the retconning or not retconning of the Kane and Last Padawan comic um have you have you read it yourself
1: I did I've read the first issue um yeah. just because I suppose that was the only part of it that overlapped with the episode so I read the first issue um and I yeah I mean they've, they've changed certain things but I suppose the uh one the Bad Batch went around then so they couldn't have them in anyway and too you know is these stories are about perspective aren't they you know some people yeah. remember things differently or like the Bad Batch weren't common knowledge so maybe if the, whoever's writing the story or like telling the story I suppose if it's, if it's being told by someone else like wouldn't have mentioned them um, yeah. you know in the heat of battle and things like that as well you're going to remember
0: things differently yeah I think I, I mean I had I've, I've got sort of a, like a variety of thoughts on it I'm not too bothered purely because the broad strikes of that story was the same. Like it was, the, the planet was the same color. Gray, the clone turned on master Depa Blaba. She was killed. Caden was told to run. He ran into a forest, pursued for a forest and then escaped the clones. Now, there's a whole storyline that in the comic that follows after is about the clones continuing to track him. All of that could still happen within, you know, the context of this storyline. The only thing that was different really was the bad batch's presence and the fact that it happened during the day as opposed to at night. Um, I think I like to see it in a similar way to what you were saying, John, in the sense of, you know, these are war stories, these are mythologies, you know, interpretations of scenes could be different from different people's perspectives or the the storyteller's perspective. And in this sense, in the comic, Kanan was the narrator. Um, Caleb was the narrator. Did he remember things? You know, this is is us stretching our head canon to explain why it could be slightly different. Does he just remember things differently? PTSD, it was a long time ago. You know, maybe he's just haunted by all of this and doesn't quite remember exactly what happened. I seen a funny YouTube comment, which was, you know, Kanan was just drunk and he just told the story completely wrong, which in like, in canon Kanan was a drunk for a while. So I saw that explanation. I was like, you know what, that works. Um, But yeah, I don't, I'm not bothered by it. I think this is always going to happen. It, it happened with Cobb Vamp a little bit and Mandalorian. And, you know, whilst the character was the same and some of the, the origins were ever so slightly different, but broad strokes it works fine so I think as long as they're not fundamentally changing a character or an event that's taking place in a book or a comic I'm not that bothered by it as long as the the broad strokes line up I'm not that bothered if they took a real important detail and changed it I think I would be more bothered but this I feel like the grand scheme of things you can still read that canon comic and consider it canon it's just a slightly different telling of the story i don't know that's my my ramblings
1: i mean i feel like it's one of those things in like story works that's going to be from like any sort of like pop culture you know like star wars marvel if you get so hung up on keeping everything like it's got to be that was here so that's got to be exactly the same here and it's not really that important then you're just gonna end up ruining it for yourself yeah as long as yeah as you said the broad strokes are the same the finer things can be slightly different
0: yeah in order I to can get
1: the story being told
0: I can understand why they wanted to do it as well because they wanted to give a good introduction to the bad batch not going through of order 66 you know them deciding not to kill a jedi or hunters hunter choosing not to kill a jedi and they probably thought what's the best way to do that is probably with a jedi that people already know because that will create that emotional attachment and there's a lot of Jedi that they couldn't use because of what actually happened to them from what we know and this is the one that they probably saw as the one that they could alter the most with it still staying as close to canon as possible so I do understand why they did it I can understand why some people are bothered but I'd just say the scene was incredibly good powerful emotional I think if they had done a terrible job, maybe we should get angry. But I think in the grand scheme of things, they smashed it out of the park. So I approve.
1: Yeah, me too. And obviously the, the scene nicely set up, um, what was happening with, uh, or what's going to happen with Crosshairs throughout the rest of the, uh, episode. And I'm assuming the next few episodes. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that set up nicely. I think as soon as, um, obviously after Order 66 and, um, the clones turning, and then uh, the Bad Batch being like, oh, what, what else happening here? I think as soon as Crosshairs was like, good soldiers follow orders, I was like, oh, no. I was like, here we go. Had famous phrases
0: back again. <laughs> my man's on the, on the verge of turning here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought that whole – I mean, let's just talk about, like, the first bit, which is, I guess, like, the introduction of the Bad Batch. We talked quite a bit about Caleb and Order 66, but that sort of bit when they run in down the hill – you sort of the wrecker pushes the boulder and then they come in they've got the bad batch theme which by the way i love playing and then they're just taking out all these droids i thought as a perfect way to like reintroduce the characters and as soon as i saw it i was like yes these guys are badasses let's go
1: yeah i mean um it, i think it just goes to show just how more advanced than that how efficient they are as like a group of five like because as um the Jedi Master and the Clone Commander were saying like, when Caleb Dumas are brought five reinforcements, they're like five. You brought five, and then <laughs> yeah. they just roll in, wipe out the whole droid squadron that they were fighting against. And that's what you need is just these bad boys. Just shows uh, how exactly. Top it's, class it's, they are.
0: I mean, they are meant to be the idea of like a five-man army, sort of like the A-team or the, the expendables or. You know, even the Avengers. It's not obviously, it's not that the same, but it is that sort of stereotype in storytelling of like the not the one man army, but like the five man army sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I do think, as you said, that like fits it perfectly because they're like, ah, oh, is that it? Five? But that's all they need because the bad batch of badasses.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. It's a good intro. I like how they they copied the same Boulder move that they did um in season seven and that last episode of uh, their arc when again. Uh Wrecker like pushes the boulder down to destroy <laughs> the separate droids, and they've clearly put that in their little um data bank for moves <laughs> to use later on. And yeah, exactly. Whips out again.
0: I just and I think they did a very clever job of just showing how each of them fight very quickly. You know, Hunter moves in with his knife and starts slashing them up, crosshairs hidden up in a rock, sniping them, Wrecker is just running in and picking them up and throwing about and Tex using little devices and um And Echo's sort of I mean Echo's an interesting one Because obviously he's not He's not a, a mutated clone He doesn't have a special power like they do His comes from his sort of like physical um, Alterations But he was fighting in the way that Echo Would usually fight With a few changes So I think they do a good job of like Showing us how these guys fight And sort of what it is that makes him unique And, and special in that, in that sort of context
1: yeah. I think it was a nice um introduction to that as you say and I think throughout the series uh, they're definitely going to um like explore more like each individual person um and how like their powers or and enhancements definitely like contribute to like the overall team. And I think they're definitely going to explore that as we go on throughout the series.
0: Yeah. And I think sort of the final my final little point on this this bit was I thought it was nice how they gave those little updates to tell us exactly when during revenge of the Sith this is happening so Tech got that notice that you know General Kenobi had engaged um, General Grievous you know we know as fans that that point is when obviously Kenobi's fighting Grievous hello there General Kenobi all that's happening as this scene's happening but you know also, if you're a fan of that, you instantly, your heart sinks because you're like, right, Order 66 is about 10, 15 minutes away right now. Um, so those links to Revenge of the Sith were really smartly used.
1: Yeah, definitely, because then as you say, as like fans of Star Wars, you definitely know whereabouts in um in the timeline you are, especially because um, obviously as tech gets the uh, information that General Kenobi is engaged um General grievous sorry, is engaged with Kenobi. Uh, obviously, it's going to take a little while for Tech to get the information. So then, Order sixty, you know, Order sixty six is literally like minutes away. Yeah, exactly. Like, than it was
0: because because you know timeline wise. Kenobi fights Grievous for how I mean, it's probably not that much longer fight really in real time. And then he sort of gets back to commander Cody and then rides off on the lizard and then all the 66 happens. So, you know, there's that delay in transmission and that sort of thing, but time timing wise, it links up perfectly. And mm-hmm. I just think that's such a clever way to, to play it. And then obviously they continue that later on in the episode where you see Palpatine speech to the Senate, where he creates the galactic empire for the first time. You see that happening, so it catches you back up of like, right, this is where we are again. Because you then know from that point onwards, we are post Revenge of the Sith after that moment, because that's practically the end of that film. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that whole... They did it perfectly with, with um, the final season of The Clone Wars, and they did it perfectly here as well, of just tying that right into the film and showing the respect to that timeline that needed to be, uh, needed to be shown.
1: Yeah, definitely. I really... We- um moving on from that intro, I suppose is that I really enjoyed the um all the bits on Camino um yeah. yeah, and like showing off the differences one the difference in like attitude between like the how out like, the bad batch and like the regular clones like view each other it definitely seems like obviously the bad batch, even though they're like the badasses of the clone clone army, they're still like the outsiders on Kamino yeah. and they're the ones yeah. that like, no one wants to sit and eat lunch with or like they get bullied basically by everyone yeah. else and I, like, Yeah, yeah could you know like embarrass them all on like yeah. the battlefield
0: I agree there I thought the stuff on Camino was really good because firstly as you said it shows that they are the outsiders, but it also shows that the clones have changed. Something has changed about the regular clones because, you know, you watch the Clone Wars and you root for every single one of those clones. They feel individual. They all have their names. They paint their armor slightly different. They're friendly and loyal and supportive. And then you see these clones in Camino. no paint on any armor. All of them, same haircut. They look exactly the same. None of them have names. They're being rude to the Bad Batch. You like, instantly see... Like what Order 66 has done to the clone army like straight away and I thought that was such a good touch because that's the thing that so many of us have wanted to know is like what happened to the clones after Order 66 and I guess we're getting that sort of quite depressing story now in the show that they, they turned into dicks.
1: Yeah, I mean I think obviously the most eye-catching part of the differences um, pre and post is like yeah, as you said like none of them uh, take their helmets off I think is really interesting like the only time that you see any regular clones without their helmets on um, is in the mess hall when they're like eating obviously they can't eat with their helmets on um, but obviously if you've watched the Clone Wars like all these seasons is like the clones will usually just take their helmets off when they're you know talking to each other you know walking about you know they only tend to put their helmets back on is when they're about to go fight or about to go do something
0: yeah yeah
1: so then seeing them like just walking around like in formation around
0: yeah and so, a- home, so orderly as well it's
1: yeah. yeah it's so strange like there's it really has shown how order 66 has put the clones from these these characters who we've grown to love due to like their personality and their human side them just basically being you know just slightly more advanced droids
0: yeah and then the bad batch stand out even more because mm. they still because of not following all order 66 with the exception of crosshair they still have that core difference and personality which make them unique they were already more unique than normal clones but now they just seem even more out there because all the other clones have gone returned to this like you know horrifically uniform orderly boring state um so yeah, I thought that was really good, and then all of that sort of tying together with the introduction or reintroduction of Tarkin. What was I? What was his title? Was he was he Commander Tarkin or Captain oh, I Admiral? I don't I know
1: actually. You can. There's. I think someone definitely looked on. Like you can. It was on a Twitter. Really. I, I. He was no. Was he, was named, he, he was named. He was named by the, the
0: Kaminoan, and I just can't remember what title they used for him at this point. He's, he's definitely not Grand Moff Tarkin yet, I can tell you that. and no. he's, not, he's not Moff Tarkin yet either. Um, anyway, Tarkin comes to Kamino <laughs> um, and we all know Tarkin's coming to Kamino. This means trouble because he hates clones. Man's a clone hater. Um,
1: Tarkin, I think, it, one I think a really interesting point that I thought about Tarkin was, because we talked about it briefly last week about Order 66 in general, um, or maybe the week before, was that, Tarkin obviously knows about Order sixty six because of some of the things that happen later on in the episode, which I think then yeah shows how much he is trusted by the Emperor, which then obviously explains how he gets like the roles of like Grand Moth and stuff like that later on in Star Wars. But yeah, he's one of the few people I think actually know about Order sixty six.
0: Yeah, I um, think this episode pretty much confirms that like he knew about the inhibitor chips from Palpatine personally. So yeah. his his involvement in the plan of Order sixty six has probably been going on since that Citadel episode when they rescued him, I guess.
1: Yeah, it could be it could be since then. To be fair, it's um, it's it's clearly it's been working his way up the uh, the trust board with a uh, Palpatine for quite some time to be able to know about Order sixty six and to go to Camino and basically you know freely be aware of that information because. Yeah, there's not a lot of people in the Republic, let alone the... There's not a lot of people in the Empire, let alone the Republic, who are aware of Order 66.
0: Yeah, and I do think... I love Tarkin's inclusion in this because I think he served a very interesting purpose, which was we know that by the time the Empire comes, the Imperial Army is made up of recruits, stormtroopers. They're ordinary people who have signed up conscripted they're conscripted soldiers as opposed to clones i think a big question everyone has is what was that transition like how did it happen was it just because they got old you know with that advanced speed speeded aging or was it because they were chosen to get rid of and i think we're starting to see that in this episode with tarkins like you know clones are expensive conscripted soldiers are cheaper more readily available um you know, he's, he's he's essentially gone to Kamino to find a reason not to use clones anymore on, on Palpatine's behalf. And I just, I love that we see that because I think that's such an important piece of information to understanding the post-Order 66 galaxy. And I just love that Tarkin's the character they're using because, I mean, we said it last week, and I'll say it again, Tarkin's a, he's a dick. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> yeah, he really is. I mean... I think a big a big
1: reason as well. I think people don't realize how much of a dick he is. Is not going after episodes like these, um even in like the original trilogy. Like Tarkin's the one that blows up on, It's not Darth Vader. I think a lot of people just in the back of their minds would just have it blamed on Vader. But no, yep. it, was, it was actually Tarkin. Tarkin was the one that was like, yeah, blow it up.
0: Yeah, Leia. Is, Leia gave him the information he wanted, even though it was a lie. But he was just like, right, we're blowing up Alderaan. You know that is that's Tarkin, and. Yeah. Um, I I it was one of the slower parts of the episode, but the not slower in terms of pace, the action was quite a lot, but in terms of character and development and stuff, the training the or that it wasn't really training, it was a test from Tarkin against the bad batch. Um I personally liked it because two reasons. I think it was an important bit to have, because I think, you know, you've got to remember that some people won't have watched the Clone Wars. So for them this is their first chance to really you know, learn those intricacies about the Bad Batch and from Tarkin's perspective, because Tarkin is essentially, in a weird way, the audience who don't know the Bad Batch, he's learning from Lama Sue, who the Bad Batch are, why they exist, all through this test that he gives them. And secondly, the action in that test was awesome. Seeing them fight the Dark Troopers, well, they're not Dark Troopers, are they? But like, they're basically the prototypes to Dark Troopers, the earliest the earliest design of what the dark troopers will one day be are those droids that they fought um, and seeing the way they fought and their throwback, you know, with the hand signals and records. Like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, Oh, what we did on Felucia. And he's like, Oh yeah, I remember just that like chemistry between them all. I just, I really liked that scene. I thought it was good fun. Yeah.
1: It was actually really cool. Yeah. As soon as those um, droids popped out the ground and I was like, they look, they look so much like the, the dark troopers that, like, you know, we've seen in, um, yeah, in pretty
0: the Mandalorian. In Mandalorian.
1: yeah. yeah they yeah. look almost identical. Obviously they are like prototype one phase one versions, but
0: yeah, yeah I'd almost, know. I'd almost think that they probably made them as, you know, purely like training droids or, te- you know, battle test droids. And then probably further down the line when they were designing the dark troopers, they were like, Oh, that's a design that could work. We'll use that one. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it is. It is definitely a visual hint to what the dark troopers came from. I guess. Mm,
1: yeah, and as you said, the action was so good, especially that right at the end was uh, was the bit I was like, Jesus! Was when uh, so the knife? Rekha, yeah, Raka throws his knife in the air, and Crosshair snipes it, and it he hits it so that the <laughs> knife goes flying into the droid. I was like, Jesus! What
0: a shot? Yeah, that was a that was a nice little bit. It really gave me. Um, real like sort of nostalgic vibes for the clone cadets episode, you know, with domino squads training. I know it obviously yeah. wasn't the same, but it felt the look and everything felt similar. Um, yeah. it was nice to see. Um, yeah, definitely a callback. And I think it just, it did a lot for Hunter as well. You know, we're really seeing Hunter as the leader, seeing him, you know, really caring for his, his group. Um, but also that, that start, the, the build-up of that clashing between the two of them. Um, You know, the original thing with, you know, Crosshair being mad at him for not killing the Jedi. Um, But then that sort of develops more to sort of the way that they're starting to clash throughout this action piece and throughout the sort of episode from this point onwards.
1: Yeah, I mean, as this episode goes on, you just... Obviously, we know what's happening, but then from Hunter and the rest of the uh, Bad Batch perspective, it's just like every, like, 10 minutes, they're just... Crosshairs is like moaning and them about not following orders or something like this or getting like heated about something. Yeah. You just tell them, they're just like, you know, what is your problem, man? And you just, every time that they go on a, like he goes off on something, you just like, you begging them to work it out and be like, oh, come on, you must. Yeah. They're you must learning, know what they're learning.
0: They're learning slowly that the clones have been changed or altered slightly to follow orders. Like tech starts to discover that and they start to all discover it. But Crosshairs, really, the one that they're having to deal with. Because mm. for whatever reason, Crosshairs' chip has worked better than their chips who, that failed completely. And I thought it was interesting that they had that one person in the team that did almost go through of order sixty six. It didn't work fully until obviously Tarkin Frankenstein him up.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose that, yeah that answers our theories from last week about um we were, obviously we were wondering about why or if the bad patch will go through what a 66 and everything yeah. didn't why and obviously that yeah, i think that. this
0: gave us the answers in echo didn't because the separatist programming on him when they basically turned him into a walking computer destroyed the chip or whatever and then the rest mm. of them their mutation took over and the chip wasn't functioning
1: yeah So the reason i think about this last night or today or something and um i was thinking about the chip because anytime we've seen it in like live action or like the pictures of it and stuff it doesn't actually look like a computer chip and I, it's, it definitely just looks like a piece of like like literally just a slice of their brain so which is why i'm <laughs> them i was wondering why it probably doesn't work in um in the bad batches because their dna is literally so different from the rest of the clones that it's probably just like yeah. rewritten that part of the brain I'm wondering if it's like an actual chip, or if it's like a bit of like neuron that the Caminos have put in that they're then called a chip. Yeah, I'm getting very technical in it, but
0: but yeah, I think you're. I think that's sort of the explanation that I think we're sort of meant to take is that whatever sort of DNA differences or mutations that have been created in the Bad Batch has stopped the standard issue chip that they've used for the rest of the clones from working, mm-hmm. and because I'd say like physically crosshairs mutation or whatever is sort of maybe physically not altered him the most but altered him the least that's probably why his is almost worked because you know his the only sort of defect that he's got mutation or power is you know being a good sharpshooter so i think his is probably the least affecting to the brain and that sort of thing like you know obviously wrecker's physically bigger and hunter's you know bigger as well and you know, tech is very smart so his brain functions are going to be very different Um so I think it was quite good, it was an, an explanation that I instantly bought and I was like yeah, that completely makes sense let's get on with the story, Do you know what I mean? They didn't need to spend, they didn't spend a whole load of time but they didn't need to spend any more time than they did they were just like right, this makes sense tech's explained it, on to the next
1: Yeah definitely, they gave it as much time as needed and it was believable and that was it, move on to the next part of the show
0: yeah and I guess where that brought us next was Tarkin sort of questioning whether they followed order 66 and in order to test them their loyalty to the empire he sends them off to um Onderon to take out some um separatist loyalists I think it's did I think that's the the phrase that, that he used um Some it was like I think he said like separatist insurgents or something like that, but I'm pretty sure he said separatists. So yeah, definitely separatists. As soon as I heard Onderon, I was like, right, this is is this Saw? And then obviously, lo and behold, they find Saw Guerrera and a group of partisans and innocent civilians there that they've been told to go and kill. Now, obviously, as we know, Hunter from this episode, he's a good guy. He's got a strong moral compass. He he's not willing to kill civilians. Crosshair, on the other hand, that chip inside his head is telling him, you must follow orders, you must kill them. That creates a good bit of conflict. And then Probe Droid has watched the whole thing unfold. So Tarkin finds out they are traitors. What was your thoughts of the whole that whole sequence, seeing Saw, and that sort of more divisiveness between the clones? I
1: thought it was really um, interesting that you. Well, I thought it was really cool that they used Saw, because... Well, one, I feel like as a character, he is very, especially uh, later on in the Star Wars universe, like during between like now and Rogue One, um, and stuff like that. You know, we find out that he's very extreme in the way he deals with like the Empire. Yeah, extreme is definitely the word. (laughs) He's a rebel, like you know, like Luke Han and all that. But his methods are very um, taking it too far. He goes over the line sometimes. So, I feel like if you know Hunter and that. Had killed him, you know, they they would have
0: done some good. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was thinking about this. I was actually. I think if if Crosshair murdered him right there, do you think the Death Star ever would have blown up? Because like, Saw a, Saw was so events, he was so integral in like Jin Erso's life that if maybe if he had died, Jin Erso might not have survived, and then she wouldn't have got the information about the thing in the Death Star from Galen Erso, and then Galen Erso wouldn't have got it to Leia in the Rebellion and then Luke wouldn't have been able to blow You know, there's that whole thing that could have spiralled from yeah. <laughs> Crosshair just killing Saw Gerrera right then. So yeah, it's an interesting one. But I think the, the thing I liked most about his inclusion was what he had to tell them about, like, the state of the galaxy. Like, he literally he basically said to them, the old ways are dead. You know, you just got to adapt and survive. Like, this, we, we no longer live in the same galaxy anymore. And I, I don't think really they quite clocked what had happened until he said that. Um, you know, they were feeling uncomfortable about Palpatine's speech and all this sort of thing. But I think when they heard him say that, they realised, right, we're not safe anymore. Um, and that obviously leads to Hunter wanting to go back and fetch Omega, who we will get onto and talk in detail about. Um, but yeah, Saw, I liked seeing him.
1: Yeah, I feel like he definitely was... He's definitely one step ahead of everyone else when it comes yeah. to just what this means for the galaxy. With you know Palpatine's speech and um, the Republic being changed into the Emperor- Empire, he definitely is on the ball about what that means for the galaxy and how the galaxy will be in years to come.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I am. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, some people might say, "Oh, they just chucked Soren because he's a character you know, in it's fan service." But I actually think he was the right character to to give them that information that they needed at that point in time to change their perspective. I think there were very few characters who could give the perspective that Saul Guerrero could give. So I actually think they used him really well. And you know what, it didn't just feel like a flashy cameo. Like he served the purpose in that episode of moving the bad batch on to being like, right. We are not going to fit in this empire anymore. We're out sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it was very good. And then obviously that whole scene and leads into talking, um, yeah, calling the bad batch traitors, but then him being very aware of Crosshair's being the only one that was like arguing the point that you know these are the orders we were given. Doesn't matter if you agree with them. This is what we should be doing.
0: Yeah, and then that you know that brings them to being arrested when they get back to Camino. Um, and I think it's probably the natural point to talk about Omega because they've already met Omega, and the you know with the mess hall scene. And then, you know, records be like, oh, I like this one, you know, cause she threw the, the food at the other guys. So they are introduced to Omega who is a clone, a defective clone as well. As tech tells us in that scene on Onderon she's a defective clone. She's one of the five, you know, the bad batch for them Echo, not being one of them, her being the fifth defective clone. Cause Echo's a rig. Um, so she's obviously a child girl. Um, Clone, she takes a liking to them, she knows who they are. They take a bit of a liking to her, and when they realize she's in danger, they go back to fetch her. Well, mostly Hunter, because Hunter's the sort of the beating heart in this episode, at least. Um, but yeah, what, what were your thoughts on Omega, John? Uh, I have a feeling that she is going to be a very
1: interesting character as the series progresses, and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. the intro we got from her. <clears throat> yeah, obviously, just. Um as before we obviously found out that she was one of the uh you know, enhanced clones and stuff, I think there was teases for it throughout if you were paying attention. Yeah. A big one for me was um when Tarkin was talking to the Camino I think it might have been the Prime Minister he was talking to.
0: Yeah, it was it the prime I can't remember what his name is it's um oh anyway, I can't remember his name. It's not Lama Su, it's the other one. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: and Tarkin's very interested about making more enhanced clones because after the performance, he's just watched the Bad Batch. And then he asked the Prime Minister, he's like, oh, how many did you make? And the Prime Minister says, only five. Um, and obviously Tarkin and then anyone who wasn't really paying attention would just assume that he meant the five that we've met already, you know, including Echo. But, you know, those who know and are paying attention, Echo isn't an enhanced clone. He was just a regular clone that was experimented on. So that hints that there's another clone out there who is enhanced which is then teasing obviously the fact that omega is the one because she's yeah you know the newest person we've met, met this episode yeah um yeah I, th- I think i really like her as a character yeah and i, I think
0: was... i think she is serving the role that ahsoka and ezra served in clone wars and rebels of the the young the, sort of the the, the for a younger audience, for kids, she's the entry point in the same way that Ahsoka and Ezra are the, ent- at the entry point. She's the one that a younger audience relates to, but she's the one who's going to grow up with the seasons, with the characters. She's found a family in the same way that Ezra's found a family and Ahsoka found a family. And however, I do think she is the least annoying. I, I mean, Ahsoka and Ezra, like by the end, I love them. They're like my favourite characters ever. But first time you meet Ahsoka and the first time you meet Ezra, they're annoying as hell. Omega, actually, I didn't find that annoying. She's a little bit annoying, but she's not as annoying as they were. And I know they, like, Filoni has a, you know, it's very clear that this is something he likes to do. You introduce them annoying and then you make the audience love them. You can't just start with them being lovable from the get-go because it's not, you don't get that reward of loving them by the end. You've got to see them grow. So I do think she's a bit annoying, but that's the point because then hopefully she's going to grow with the series. And by the end we'll look back and think, ah, Omega's pretty cool now. But even from the get go, I thought she was pretty cool. I had a lot of respect when she lobbed that food at the the nasty clone. She stood up for herself. You know, she hit some, hit some shots with a gun and she was good at crawling through the vents and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I like Omega. I think she's going to be a really interesting character.
1: Yeah. I think another big thing about introducing characters like um Omega and like especially Ahsoka as well, I suppose. Is that it gives the main character that you wanna have in the show. Like obviously in the Clone Wars it was Anakin and then the Bad Batch it is leaning towards Hunter being like the main character. I mean you've got the yeah, Bad Batch around yeah, him, but Hunter is like the main one that we're gonna experience the show through. Um and it gives them A really big character development as well, because obviously as the Clone Wars progressed, um, and Ahsoka and Anakin grew up together. Obviously, Ahsoka had a big character development, but then so did Anakin, having to like raise her and teach her and stuff like that. So I think Hunter's going to go through a very similar thing as the series progresses, and he's going to have to realize that
0: because
1: obviously he's only lived his life as like a soldier, and he's going to have to adapt his his life and like become more nurturing towards Omega. Yeah. And, uh, as the series progresses.
0: I really think they've chosen him to be like the, the the real beating heart of the series. And I like that. I think Hunter's by far my favourite character so far. I just think, you know, the way he's sort of, it's just so morally good. He's a badass, but he, you know, he really chooses to follow good in the same way that Rex does. I feel like he's he's similar to Rex and he has that heart of gold um, and he's taken a mega under his ring sort of at first you know, he just sort of warned her to stay away from them. But when he realized the danger that she could be in with Tarkin and the empire immediately thinks to save her. And, you know, that whole prison, the escape from the prison sequence is pretty cool. Obviously you've got Tarkin altering Crosshair to make him even more, you know, receptive to orders. And then you have that final escape, um, action sequence where they're trying to get onto the ship and they get encountered, they encounter Crosshair who's now fully just trying to kill them. Um, and I personally thought that scene was great. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I think it was really good. It was, um, I think, it was a big shock factor for the uh, the characters, um, and they—that was, I think, when they realised that, you know, they were fighting, they were screwed with um, <laughs> Crosshair's aim in their uh, his <laughs> gun at them. They, yeah. They're not going away there without something
0: special. And it was pretty tough for them to deal with because obviously like Crosshair's like one of their, you know, their brothers. Uh, you know, the bad we don't know how long the Bad Batch have been together, but you know, Clone Force Nine Nine have been together for a while. He's been there the whole time. And for them for him to become the antagonist, and I, I do think he's gonna be the primary antagonist of the series. Um I think Tarkin's obviously gonna be, you know, playing the you know, the puppeteer at the top, but I do think Crosshair's actually gonna be, at least for the first half of the series, is gonna be the main villain. And I mm. do think maybe Rex or Ahsoka is going to help them figure out how they can get the chip out of him and, you know, bring him back. And I do think at least the season or the half season is going to end with Crosshair being back on the team. But I do think it's great for their first real struggle to deal with with the Empire is not this huge, big Empire, but it's, it's one of their friends and having to deal with that as an embodiment of the evil of the Empire, I think is a really good choice and I, I, I really like that
1: yeah definitely that's very true and I suppose the um, it gave us a very interesting point for Omega as well is uh, just before they leave um, you think that Crosshairs has got Hunter and Wrecker I think like pinned down and Crosshairs is going to go for a, a kill shot Omega just comes out of nowhere and like snipes him across the hangar <laughs> with yeah. a little blasted shot
0: and this I think I guess, as we are, I guess our last talking point of episode one before we get on to episode two is are they hinting at Omega being force sensitive question mark question mark I think so
1: yeah I mean they're definitely hinting towards her being enhanced special. in
0: some way yeah because yeah. I mean
1: yeah. one she looks nothing like the other clones yeah so there's something fishy going on there two she's a girl mm-hmm. and, you know all the rest of the clones are a clones of Django <laughs> Fett, so they're male. So there is something an extra special going on here, I think. And um, Yeah, I think a fan theory that I've seen a lot across the internet, and I personally agree with it very much, is, yeah, that Omega is Force-sensitive. And that is why, one, the Kaminoan, um, that, the lead medical doctor, was like very keen to keep her by yep. her side.
0: Mm-hmm. But and- then when it seemed like she might get killed lets her escape straight away because it's more important that she's alive <laughs> and out there yeah. than, do you know, like, I think that was what happened there when Llamasu let her escape. I think it was, mm-hmm. she was about to die, probably. So she was like, yeah, just go because it's more important that you're a rare specimen that you survive sort of thing. I think that's what's going on there.
1: Yeah, she's very valuable piece of bioengineering i think i think
0: for me there were there were two parts one of them you mentioned there were two parts to me that suggested she might be force sensitive the first one was when they were in the prison cell and she was talking to crosshair and she said that she could tell that he was angry or something something like that and that to me said that she could could sense his emotions which is something that force sensitives do and then the other is as you were talking about that pretty wild shot that she hit on crosshair after never, never picking up a blaster before. That's a sort of a trait of someone who's force sensitive, just naturally being able to, you know, hit a shot with a gun. Um, So those are two things that are leaning me towards thinking that perhaps she could be force sensitive. The only other theory that I've seen, which is another one I like, is that she has all of the enhanced traits of the other members of the bad batch So that the fact she could hit the shot was because she's got crosshairs, you know, accuracy. The fact she could figure out what was going on with crosshairs because she's actually really intelligent and she's got that from tech. And then the other ones might come soon. I'm less sure on that one. I think it's an interesting one, but I I don't think she is just going to be a a mixed mash of all of them. I am leaning on her being force sensitive. Um, And I think it's interesting. My only worry is I wouldn't want it to become another Mandalorian copy. Um, I think so far they're doing quite a good job of setting themselves aside from the Mandalorian. It's a very different type of um, found family story, but there is a concern that if she does be, end up being force-sensitive, you know, it ends up being too similar to Grogu and Din with Hunter and her. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, that's just my only little concern there.
1: Yeah, no, that's a valid, that's a valid uh, worry, I suppose. Um. Just hopefully they will. And obviously, I trust in Dave Filoni. I reckon that he he's not going to yeah, yeah. be silly enough to do that. Yeah. Um. And I think he's yeah he's he's wise enough as a producer and stuff to not fall for that trap.
0: Yeah. But overall, thoughts on that first episode? I I was, I was very excited um, afterwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very
1: good. Yeah. I don't think you'd. I'd be hard passed to find someone who didn't didn't enjoy it
0: I yeah think. it was very popular that first episode um mm-hmm. it was nice to see the star wars fandom united on liking something which doesn't happen that often
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's changed
0: it was a uh, no really good first episode big big episode and a lot happened and it set up the show perfectly um and then today today as of recording it'll be yesterday by the time this is out we had episode number two we got two in one week Um, We've got episode two, which was called Cut and Run. Anyone who is a fan of the Clone Wars saw the word cut and instantly thought that we might be seeing Cut Laquane. And guess who shows up within the first two minutes of this episode? (laughs) The boy himself. The boy. So for anyone who hasn't watched the Clone Wars, Cut was in an episode of Clone Wars from season two called The Deserter. And I believe the clones tracked General Grievous to the planet Salukami I think I pronounced it wrong last week as Salakumi. It's salukami apparently. Mm-hmm. We tracked him there. Um, and then Rex comes across Cut, who is a deserter. He's deserted from the clones. He's met a lovely Twi'lek and they've had a family. And Rex sort of grapples with this whole idea of him deserting. He thinks it's very wrong, but then he listens to Cut and sort of understands why he's chosen to do it. And that's all we know of him. But then this is him back for the first time since Clone Wars season two as a friend of the Bad Batch that they go to for a bit of assistance, which I think made a lot of sense. It was nice to catch back up on his story. Um, But I also think he had a lot of important lessons to teach the Bad Batch, particularly Hunter and not just, you know, what it means to be a clone and what it means to sort of give up being a clone for, you know, something else, but also parenting. He He taught Hunter a lot of parenting lessons.
1: Yeah, I think, as you said, it was made complete sense for the Bad Batch to go to cut, specifically because he's hidden from the Republic for all these years. I mean, probably like at least you know three, four years he's hidden from the Republic, so he's yeah, a exactly. man to go to if you want to hide and stay hidden and maybe you know just set your bearings for a bit, a nice place to lay low. So it definitely made sense for the, um, them to go there for that, but Yeah, they definitely got, well, Hunter definitely got the added bonus of learning uh, what it's like to be a father, I suppose, or to look after, you know, a child. Because, as you said, Cut has two children with his uh, Twi'lek wife. Um, And I think at the end of the episode, or as the episode progresses, you see that Hunter begins to understand that he needs to treat Mega, you know, like a child, or, you know, give her that nurturing side and don't treat her like another soldier
0: yeah um yeah yeah and there was some i mean this i think there's there's almost less to talk about this second episode not because nothing happened but because it was it was a much more character driven episode than a event driven episode i mean they went to salukamai they met cut um cut decides that his family needs to leave the planet because the empire had taken control and you know his his hiding place essentially is at risk of being found they needed um what they called the the codes they Uh, they had a a name for it didn't they oh for goodness sake have i forgotten that already um
1: something like barcodes but not
0: barcodes yeah it's it's, yeah i actually don't know whatever (laughs) they they needed the codes to escape and you know tech and the bad batch helped them to get the code so they can escape but then the sort of the drama of the episode and the thing that i liked the most was that hunter as he learns to you know be more nurturing to echo to echo or I mean, to omega <laughs> he decides that she should go with cut because it's way too dangerous to be stuck with them um and i thought that was a It was quite a difficult decision, I think, for him to make. And I think it was nice to see him not only make that decision, but when she refuses that decision in the end and comes back to them, for him realising that it's not his choice, it's hers. And it's now just his job to protect her now. And she is one of the batch, whether he thinks it's the safest thing for her or not. And I think that was a, that sort of, almost sets up that sets up the family really within two episodes. The first episode is them realizing they have to save her. And the second one is realizing that it's not just the job of saving her, but it's they are now responsible for her. Um because she has chosen them as her new family and not, you know, Cut's family. And I think that that was the crux of the episodes. And I thought it delivered on that really well. And I think Hunter within two episodes is already a slightly different person than he was at the start of the episode and I think that that's good storytelling in my opinion
1: yeah it was very good character development I think for Hunter and um, just to implement how Omega yes it kind of solidifies her position in the Bad Batch um, and that she is part of them I think another point in the episode did really well was showing the transition from Republic to Empire and how that affects the citizens of the planets but then also the clones as well. Because I feel like the clones in this episode look, are acted like far much more like, you know, just uh, the stormtroopers we've seen from the original trilogy and Rebels. You know, like, just take no, don't take no for an answer. Like, you know, have that poor guy trying to leave the planet and I was like, well, I've paid, I've paid for this shuttle, so can I go? And then it's like, no, you need yeah. your codes. Chain codes. That's yeah. what it's called. Just it's just called chain codes. Like, these are not the clones we've been used to over the last seven, yeah. seven seasons. They're just basically stormtroopers
0: yeah and i saw some comments um that this episode was filler and i was like people need to understand what filler means filler is an episode where the episode essentially has nothing to do but it's just there to fill in a gap this was not filler you learned two major things which is as john just rightly said how different the empire is from the republic and how much it has changed the clones into sort of real heartless you know enforcement and then secondly as we were talking earlier about you know hunter and becoming a parent i just don't i think people throw the term filler around so much because you know there isn't some massive plot twist and some big explosion but that you learn so much from these 20 minutes of like the state of the galaxy right now like the empire is solidifying their control on every planet and numbering citizens like echo had that great line when he was just like clones spent their whole time trying to like create names for themselves and get away to numbers get away from numbers and now we're going back to being numbered you know the galaxy as a whole and i think that's such an important transition the, the, you know the empires just turn around and just numbering and giving chain codes to every single citizen because if you don't have one you can't do anything and that's such a difference from like the free and fair republic that they were used to living in so you know fill out i think a very silly term i think that episode changed the universe a lot in the sense of what we learn is how quickly Palp solidified his control.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you said, every single yeah, every single citizen's got to get one of those chain codes, so that literally means that every single person in the universe is basically just a number in a database for the Empire to track. And then as well as that is they have um, their ships, they've basically got tags on them as well. So then, there is literally, you yeah. Go they're anywhere. impounding
0: ships as well, like yeah. You're, like, that's another point. There is so much happening <laughs> that, like, we just take for granted in the original trilogy, like you know how much control the Empire have over space stations and the ports, like Mos and stuff like that. And that's even in the Outer Rim. But I mean, this is, I think, I think Salukamiz is more of a mid-Rim planet, I think. But the fact that they're able to consolidate this much control so quickly shows the like how much power the Empire. Had have straight away and i think this was a really important episode to learn that um so yeah i completely agree i thought that bit was really interesting and the bit that you point out with the guy (laughs) being like pushed over because he didn't have his chain codes you know the clones would not have done that two weeks ago would they
1: no yeah i mean as much as the clones are like there to follow orders and do as i told i feel like pre-order 66 you know they had a bit of um, leeway about things so you know if someone came up to the thing was like oh I've paid for my shuttle I know I haven't got these chain codes but I've already paid for it you know they'll, they'll sort something out they'll organise it they'll be like okay go cool. come with us and we'll sort you out a chain code something something a bit nicer
0: we a bit yeah. of customer service yeah. to it but I mean no, we saw just, no. we saw in the Clone Wars so many instances of the clones like bending over backwards to help the citizens and like, innocent civilians and stuff like that during the Clone Wars like so many times I can mm. think of like 10 examples already off the top of my head. Whereas straight away we're seeing the clones are not they're not the same clones that we knew and love. You know, they are practically stormtroopers now. We just mm-hmm. we just know that they're Django Fett clones underneath the armor. And the mm-hmm. armor's not quite at the clone war at the, the stormtrooper look yet, but they are basically stormtroopers now.
1: Yeah, it's just it it's really showing how the how the Republic has gone from the Republic, which is you know a nice free we're meant to be like a nice free democracy for everyone, say such a researcher, to the empire, which is dictatorship and what we say yeah. goes.
0: Yeah. Um, there was two other things I want to mention about this episode. The first one is I thought it did a really nice job of showing us the difference between tech and Echo, because I think a lot of people rightly sort of question what is actually the difference between tech and Echo, because tech... You know, is really good with tech, <laughs> and he's really smart, and he's always figuring stuff out and hacking stuff. But then Echo is sort of a walking computer. What's the difference between the two of them? And I thought this episode did a really nice job of showing them working together. So Tech was like, "I can create the the, the um, chain codes, if but I need you to break into the Imperial computer um, using his slicer in his in his hand." But I thought that nice little like. Just simple little job that they had to do which was important to, you know, saving Cut and his family. But I thought that nice little moment actually showed that there is a unique difference between the two of them and each of them have their own role to play within the bad batch. And I thought that clarified it because I I was starting to get concerned that there was gonna be a bit too much similarity between the two. So I thought that was a good little scene. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think another big difference between um tech and echo, as you say, is like Echo has the ability to like slice into computers and he can download schematics or like open a door and stuff but he's still not as smart as tech i mean tech has got the ability to sit there and figure things out you know work you know work out things logically while echoes while he is a walking computer i feel like he's not like sitting there doing like complex equations in his head and stuff while tech is
0: yeah and then echo still has that the ARC Trooper in him, you know, when he was sort yeah. of like sneaking into the building and doing all the little vaults over the the boxes and stuff, you still see in him that he's got that ARC Trooper in him. He's still a, a strong fire. Mm. And then I guess the the last thing I wanted to mention was that obviously when they spoke to Cut, Rex had been there just yesterday, which suggests to me that at least maybe not next episode, but in a, in a few episodes, we are going to. We know we're going to see Rex because he's in the trailer, but I think the Bad batcher probably thought, right, well, if Rex was through here recently, let's go find him.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, which then also begs the question is, was Rex by himself or was Rex, you know, with like Ahsoka? Um, which I suppose we'll have to find out in coming episodes.
0: Yeah, I think, hmm, I don't know is the answer. I would like to see Ahsoka just because I think, It'd be interesting to get her perspective. I think it would be important for her perspective to get across to the bad batch because, you know, they now have a new responsibility in terms of Omega, but also how do they survive in this empire? Because they can't just run forever. And I think Ahsoka's going through that at the same time as well. So I do think it'd be good for those to meet. Hope they hope it happens. And um, it's a felony show, so I'm sure he's going to throw Ahsoka in there because he loves Ahsoka. Um, and we all do as well. But we shall see. But I'm excited to see Rex. Um, but I just, you know what? I just found it so nice that we just got a one off episode about one of the clones from the Clone Wars that we met very briefly, caught up with his story to see where he is a couple of years later. He, he taught a lesson to the Bad Batch. Um, the Bad Batch learned what they needed to learn, and then they got up and left. I just thought it was nice as a Clone Wars fan to see Cut back. But he served his purpose and then he's off again with his family. And I think that was a nice little way of doing it. You know, he's not, uh, I wouldn't actually enjoy the show if they were just going to old clones and adding them to the squad. So every time they just got one more member of the squad in the ship.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, I completely agree. He's just, you know, he was there, served his purpose, and now he's off in the universe you know live his own life yeah he's and he's,
0: his old, family's going to be safer batch. which is good as well because like the bad batch have helped him to like you know protect his family and he's yeah. helped the bad batch to sort of get a better understanding of what's going on at the moment and a better understanding of how they can look after Omega. um so yeah all in all i like that second episode a lot I I think out of the two, I prefer the first one just because it was a big episode and lots of exciting stuff happened. And the whole order 66 scene with Caleb really just blew my mind. Um, But I still think that second episode was consistent, strong. I think out the gate so far, this is a very strong start to the series. I think both clone wars and rebels took a little bit of time to grow, but I actually think bad batch out, out the is doing pretty good. Um, so yeah, what were your overall thoughts, first two episodes, this episode? Yeah, I've really enjoyed them. Um,
1: and yeah, as you say, I think Clone Wars season one, there was things that, you know, needed fixing or needed improvement as a series. Teething of issues, think, we'll
0: call them teething issues.
1: Yeah, teething issues I think is the perfect term. But I feel like this, I mean, it's only two episodes, but I feel like the two episodes we've seen of The Bad Batch have been both really strong and... I'm just really interested to see where they go with it from what they've, and what we've had so far.
0: Yeah. And I think even though this show is like the spiritual successor to Clone Wars in the sense of seeing what happened to the clones after the Clone Wars, which is doing beautifully, I think style wise, it feels a lot more like Rebels. Like, you know, we are following this one crew for the whole time. You know, it's not like, Clone Wars where we jump about to different characters for different arcs this is the Bad Batch and Omega these are our focus it's a found family story it's their journey through the galaxy tied in with the legacy of the Clone Wars but I like that sort of uh, it's almost if you put Clone Wars and Rebels in a blending machine in a blender (laughs) the juice that will come out will be the Bad Batch it's like the the best of both worlds (laughs)
1: Oh no, yeah, actually I completely agree with that. It definitely is, um, <laughs> definitely, I think Dave Filoni's taking parts from both and things he's learned over the years and is definitely just putting it together into the bad bad. Yeah, and I also think
0: there's there's definitely aspects of, def, definitely aspects of the Mandalorian in there, some of the inspiration for the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see, you know, these strong story aspects from different shows getting merged into something that's unique and I hope it stays really unique. Um, but yeah, it's a strong start. It's very positive all round, I feel like. I have seen some criticisms of the second episode, but I disagree with them personally. <laughs> um, you're always going to get people when there's a slow episode who say, oh, it's filler. It's like, well, I can tell you filler episodes because they're the episode of Rebels when they spent the whole time trying to get Malu Runs, the fruit, from the Imperials, that was a filler episode. <laughs> some of the droid episodes in the Clone Wars, that was filler. This episode wasn't filler.
1: No, this episode definitely had interesting things to, to get across. So yeah. anyone calling it a fella, it needs to pay attention to the whole thing and <laughs> the not story. just the yeah. animation of the main character. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's pretty much our thoughts on the first two episodes. Um, Anything else to say, John? No, I'm just excited to where it's going to be. I'm looking forward to talking about future episodes on future podcasts. Yeah, I think because obviously from now onwards each episode is going to be about 30 minutes. We're going to get one a week as opposed to the two this week. So I think Mm -hmm. what we'll probably do is each episode will be like our review plus a discussion about something else. I'd hope that maybe that discussion about something else will probably be tied into the bad batch episode. So, you know, maybe there's a, you know, Tarkin plays a big role in the next one, or he's already played a big role. Maybe we do a bit more an in-depth chat on Tarkin or something like that. Um, we'll sort of see how it links into the episodes that are coming out, but we'll try and do like a 50, 50 split between like an episode review and something else. Cause we don't really just want us to be talking about a 30 minute episode for a whole hour. We could, we could do it, you know, today we could chat for a whole hour about the two episodes. Cause there was a lot, cause it was, you know, 90 minutes worth of bad batch. Um, but I think the next couple episodes, we'll try and do a mixture of bad batch review slash something else, depending on what, what crops up yeah sounds good I mean
1: feel free to I'm here to chat about
0: anything so yeah yeah exactly if anyone's actually that's a good point if any of our loyal lovely listeners have got any questions about you know the episodes that have come out what our predictions are any questions like that just message us on um, either Twitter or Instagram which is Twitter's at Vader's Castle pod and Instagram's at live from Vader's Castle if you send us a message with any questions we'll answer any of those questions whether it's wanting a direct answer like a fact we'll do the research or if you're just asking for our opinion we can provide that as well so yeah um i'm just i'm excited that we've actually got like exciting new star wars coming every week and we have a place to talk about it
1: yeah definitely much looking forward to future episodes
0: perfect well we shall see everyone next week for our episode three review of the bad batch i I think the name has leaked to the episode, but I can't remember what it was. I, th- I think it's the, rep- the replacements. I think is the episode. So I might be wrong. I think that's what I heard today. I think what Star Wars Explained said it on his YouTube video. Um, so no idea what it's going to be about, but I am definitely excited.
1: Mm. Yeah, me too. That sounds cool.
0: Okay, perfect. So uh, you've been listening to live from Vader's castle episode five. Um, I've been Dan and uh John's been John. <laughs> I have. I have indeed. And we will catch you next week. Yeah, see you later. Thanks for listening. Just right. for listening. Bye.